once you learn a little bit more about yourself, um, you earn the right to be kind. And all right, you don't always, it's not always about pushing and pushing and pushing until you break. Um, yeah. That leads to a lot more problems. There are times, yeah, where you got to keep pushing, but a lot of times you just got to let go. Um, and that's where I think the ice, the breath, uh, the pool type training, that kind of stuff, uh, really helps with that as well. It's, is we just have to let go and not always push as hard as we think we need to push. That's not where we can be the most productive or the most effective in a lot of situations. Welcome to the What I Meant to Say podcast. I'm your host, Wendy Jones, founder of Be Better Media and a mom of four, passionate about human connection. Throughout my journey, I have experienced many What I Meant to Say moments. But since life doesn't give us do-overs, I've created a space to reflect and tell our stories again with a little more grace for ourselves and the hope that we can help others and be better for having listened. Welcome to the What I Meant to Say podcast. I'm your host, Wendy Jones, and I'm here today with Taylor Somerville, the founder of Symmetry Live. And uh, Taylor and I met in 2017 at um, an XPT Life event. And Taylor's also an XPT Life master coach. Um, So we're going to dig into lifestyle and breath work and a little bit of Taylor's story today. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for having me, Wendy. Yeah, um, it was fun to connect uh, a couple of weeks back when you were out um, on the West Coast. Taylor's in uh, Memphis for all of our viewers that um, don't know his work, but um, we connected a couple of weeks back and uh, reconnected, I should say, and it was just really fun to get a breathwork class in with you and feel that, um, you know, that sense of connection that you get from being in a group that's, you know, evolving and, and into this work. So um, asked him to come on today and I'm excited to hear and share with our viewers more of your story because it's an interesting yeah. so tell me a little bit about um, you know what brought you into the breathwork space so uh, well my background I was in the investment business for 15 years uh, started out uh, financial advising had a chartered financial analyst designation. So I kind of went down whole finance background and worked on a trading floor for 11 years here in Memphis. Um, And towards the end of that career in about 2014, I also went through a divorce. uh, And, you know, at the time, just dealing with a lot of personal stress, professional stress, a lot of anxiety, kind of overwhelm. You know, I did talk therapy. I kind of did the realm of everything trying to help me uh, in that manner. I was pretty reactionary person uh, in general. I kind of, I'd say somewhat always been like that. Uh, You could easily fly off the handle, um, let stress overwhelm me. And, you know, as I was going through everything, I started first out with just mindfulness meditation. Uh, Found that and I was like, oh, this is kind of interesting. Uh, You know, I was able to slow down. I used things like Calm app when it was first starting out, read, uh, followed a guy like Watkins, did a bunch of his meditations and read his books and then kind of found all sorts of other meditations and found Wim Hof and his breathing techniques and the ice. And I was like, oh, this stuff's really powerful. Um, I'd started getting into shape and doing CrossFit, things like that. And, uh, just kind of, you know, getting back into a healthy, healthier lifestyle to say, and, uh, that really affected me the way, you know, 
doing that the first couple of times, was able to hold your breath for, you know, 90 seconds, two minutes, whatever it is when you first kind of, and I was just like blown away. And then I heard Laird and Gabby on a podcast, uh, on Tim Ferriss's podcast and was like, well, I got to go meet these people. Um, and at that point, I went to that, uh, you know, XPT experience in 2017. I uh, got that for my birthday. Uh, for myself and was like, I'm gonna go out there, do this. And you know, met all the amazing people out there and fell in love with it. And I've already been very much gotten to the point where I didn't want to deal with the financial world anymore. I was tired of getting up at you know 4 a.m., worried about what went on overnight. I was on our kind of macro interest rate economic trading desk. So I'd wake up and have to worry about what some politician said or what happened overnight then i'd sit at my screens for 10 plus hours a day um and i knew just looking around i was like i do not want to be sitting here when i'm 65 years old uh because if if i don't leave that's what's going to happen after xpt i was like okay i've got to get out of here um you know met some people there who were kind of in the same realm uh and i quit my job i think that was may of 17 i quit in october 1st uh, that year. So I pretty much went home, made a plan, uh, you know, discussed it with my family, my friends, my uh, then girlfriend, who's now my wife, uh, talked about it. And everybody was really supportive, which shocked me to some extent, because I figured most people were going to be like, you're crazy, especially my father. I thought he was going to think I was nuts. Um, but they all supported it. And I can still remember telling the people I was real nervous about telling the people my job. And most of them were pretty much like, oh, we kind of knew you weren't going to be around much longer. Just, I mean, you can tell um, the fire and desire for stuff goes away and your body language says it all. Uh, you don't really have to say a lot in those types of situations. And I'm glad that I stepped away and did it when I did. Um, it's super scary. Uh, it still is. Um, but it was, you know, it worked out perfectly. Um, and what I did and it really just finding that breath work, it changed my, kind of, I would say my reaction function, let me handle, even as I was going through that, gave me the ability to just kind of calm down, uh, you know, see what was going on in the moment and not be able to be calm in kind of chaotic situations as opposed to panicky, um, which I could easily do back then um and that's helped me a lot over these last five years yeah i i one i didn't realize that when we met that that was really that the crux of your your decision and your turning point because oh, yeah. yeah i didn't i didn't realize that i think i followed your story and i i just wasn't really clear on the on the timeline so that's that's really impactful because it was that there XPT is it's it's a game changer. It teaches you so much about your physiology, and um, um, I'm just I'm I'm amazed by what you've done in the last. What is that? It's been, I guess, about six years now. Six years, <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's nuts. So you know, I think there's something to the pattern of burnout that is just so prolific out there right now. And, you know, people, I, I don't think even realize when they're headed toward that space and yeah. recognizing some of the more, the earlier signs before we get to the point where we've just had it. 
I'm wondering how um, how you recognize that in yourself and maybe how you help other people to recognize that as it's if it's coming on. Yeah, it's really um, I found one of the is for one, just a loss of like fire and desire to do the things that you used to do that you that might have made you excited to wake up in the morning. And, you know, I used to love spending hours on the weekend reviewing markets and everything that was going on and just ready to go into each day and excited to learn something new, deal with whatever was going on. And then all of a sudden it got to where everything was a burden. Um, uh, you know, just really lethargic about what I was doing, didn't care. Uh, and for me, it almost got to a sense where the nervous system somewhat, you know, you kind of something we can talk about that fight or flight side, the sympathetic, you know, parasympathetic or rest relaxation. But then you also have that kind of shutting down where it's basically you're just kind of frozen um, and you don't want to do much of anything. Uh, and, uh, and I think kind of recognizing those things more than anything was a big key, uh, realizing that, you know, I just wasn't really happy and it, I didn't stay in that same position wasn't going to help. Um, you know, we got something on our website talks about your people feeling fine um, and mm -hmm. you're fine, you know, uh, when you call it just you're frustrated, insecure, neurotic and exhausted. And that's basically what uh, kind of the state I was at that point um, more than anything yeah that's quite an acronym that makes a lot of sense though I mean I, I stole it from someone but uh. yeah it, re <laughs> it resonates um, so for people who haven't done a lot of breath work um, I think you know there's so many there's so many biohacks out there, right? I mean, I have my aura ring and we, we have all of these things as we enter this world that we can find out that we can connect with, but the breath is the most organic. It's with us. It keeps us alive, but I don't think people understand how much it impacts our state of mind. So if for people that haven't done a whole lot of breath work, can you kind of explain the way that our nervous system is regulated through our breath? Yeah. I mean, the breath, so it's really one of the only things that is automatic in our system. We breathe without ever having to think about it. We also you know, digest food without having to think about it, our heartbeat without having to think about it. But we also can take control of our breath. We can use it to change our mental and physical state. Our brain, the nervous system is constantly monitoring our breath rate because when we get stressed, uh, you know, you think about that, that stress response uh, evolutionarily, whether it was you think a lot of running from the line. Um, or we're about to become food. Well, what happens there? Heart rate speeds up, breath rate speeds up. You know, might start getting sweaty palms, blood rushes to our uh, limbs so we can mobilize. It really shuts down every other digest or all of our other systems because it just needs to stay alive in that moment. Uh, you know, we don't really have that kind of response. It's not life or death anymore. It's more of an emotional response. It's more of uh, we get an email from our boss. Uh, our partner says somebody, somebody says something to us. Our, somebody cuts us off in traffic. It is an emotional response, but we have the same generalized stress signals that activate in our body, sends us into that fight or flight and sympathetic. And, you know, what we can do with our breath is it can modulate 
that it as we speed our breath rate up like you can just sit here and start breathing faster breathing in and out of your mouth you might notice you get a little stressed out then you slow it down and as you just slow and calm your breath down it'll also calm your mind down so it's it's a feedback loop with your brain as your breath rate speeds up you you begin to take on more stress as you get stressed your breath rate tends to speed up and it works just in reverse if you slow your breath down it does the opposite it can calm you down uh and you know and it's kind of the breath our exhale is very much a calming aspect to the nervous system uh you know one of the long slow exhales are a great way to calm yourself down uh inhales a little bit more sympathetic ramps you up uh on the nervous system activates the nervous system can give you a boost of energy so it's a, a tool that we can use to take us both ways so when i we look at uh breath is symmetry uh called the four pillars of breath and that's how you're breathing every day which is vitally important and really you know People take anything from this. It's all right, noticing how they are breathing during the day. Are you breathing through your nose or through your mouth? Uh, are you breathing into your upper chest or are you breathing lower? Uh, you getting your diaphragm activated, moving your belly and ribs. Are you breathing at a fast rate or at a slower rate? Uh, and we really preach, you know, trying to breathe through your nose at rest, breathing lower, using the diaphragm, breathing slower. And you can say that, that right there will help change your mental and physical state. But it also can help create an awareness around, all right, when I do get stressed out, what starts to happen? Because there's a physiological response in our body. It's going to hit you in your body before it hits you in your mind. But we just really weren't taught or we're, and we're also never really uh, aware of that. Um, you know, I didn't learn all this stuff until I was in my mid-30s. Uh, I wish they'd have taught me this when I was in high school uh, and some emotional intelligence and emotional responses like thankful at least they are doing some of that nowadays but you know I had no idea of any of this stuff um, you know people would tell you to take a deep breath things like that but you didn't really know what that meant or okay how am I supposed to do it or what am I supposed to do uh, so you know kind of focusing on that everyday breathing and then we look at techniques to help ground you which tend to be XL focused slower breathing patterns then we have Activation patterns, which tend to be faster, uh, can things uh, like the Wim Hof pattern, they push the sympathetic side of the nervous system, which can be good at times, just like you're doing anything difficult. You want to push that stress response, but learn how to come down out of it. And then we look at transformational breathing, and that's longer breath sessions where we're really combining a bunch of different types of techniques. It's similar to what we did a couple of weeks ago uh, in Venice, which you know can kind of put you into another world um make you have all sorts of experiences that you had no idea your breath could do uh emotional response changes and sensations in your body so i really try to kind of look at those four aspects of breathing um and working with i work with a lot of one-on-one -on -one clients really start on that every day and kind of grounding because most of the people that i deal with uh are type a they are high stress and they don't necessarily need to be pushing those sides of the envelope as much as they already are. Um, and so we try to kind of bring them down first of all. Yeah, that, that it is huge. And, and what you don't realize is like a, you know, high performer is how much better you feel in a more calm state, how much better you can actually like i think a lot of type a's think oh i like to relax is lazy and mm -hmm. yet that relaxation that comes with breath work when you bring your you know you come into that parasympathetic state it's 
it's actually more focused. It's, it's more productive. It's, it's more connecting it, the relationships get better. You know, your, your productivity goes up, but it's coming from such a calm grounded place that it's sustainable. That's right. I like what you said. Your relationships are better. Uh, you're more productive, uh, you know, cause it's like one of the things that can really help you with is it's like, how often do you make a great intelligent decision when you're emotionally reactive? Very rarely do you, are you happy with that decision? 20, 30 minutes later, uh, or a couple of days later, you know, if we can regulate those emotions, it's not about pushing them down and not feeling them. It's about being with them and just being aware of them and let not that letting that drive your decision-making process, which happens so often. Um, and I mean, I still do it all the time, but at least I can catch myself a little bit quicker uh or not dwell on it uh, and kind of bring yourself out of that situation when you do hit hit those kind of emotionally reactive responses because we're all human um and we're all going to be having to deal with them especially in modern society with with everything we have coming at us and uh how great uh, the media and uh corporations are at driving those emotional responses because that's pretty much their goal um, is to create emotional reaction to drive eyeballs um, and create more ad revenue. So uh, if you can at least be aware of that a little bit, it can also help maybe not um, making an impulsive purchase or you know getting upset about something that somebody said, which really is going to have zero effect on your life anyway. Um, so yeah. it can help a lot in those types of situations too. Yeah, I, I think um, recognizing that reactivity, it's so interesting because I think most of us, especially, you know, running around in modern day life with our phones in our hands and checking constantly, expecting productivity constantly, um, I don't think people realize how little time it actually takes to just step away and be mm -hmm. to make that change towards responding and coming down rather than being reactive. How do you help people, um, you know, just just realize that what it takes to just start to make that change? That's a great point because you know everybody's super busy too, and nobody wants to add anything else to their life. They think they've already got a million other things. So what, where we try to focus really at first uh, is just call transitions during the day. So whether that is between meetings, taking a second, all right, check in, notice how your breath feels, notice how your body feels, kind of your stress response. Uh, when you're in the car and you're driving from work to the office, office to home, between workouts, use that time to spend a couple of minutes focusing on your breath. Slowing, just, if anything, just slowing down. Can you breathe in for five, out for five? Just spend a couple of minutes doing that. Uh, so really using those transitions. And then another area is trying to stack habits together. Uh, you know, so really big on people first thing in the morning, not jumping into their phone as the first thing and checking their email, checking social media, at least giving themselves like 30 minutes. And what can you do? Well, you can walk outside, get some morning sunlight, which is great for you as well. Uh, drink some water. You could, you know, talk to your spouse or your kids or, uh, and, uh, and do some breathing together uh, in those scenarios. You know, a lot of people like, you can do some of this stuff with your kids and help, help them learn how to regulate. 
uh, and just give them some easy, simple techniques and how to do that. So I'm trying to stack habits, even, hey, when you're in the shower, you can do some breathing right there uh, and learn how, you know, that's where I love to introduce things like cold showers. You got to really learn how to control that stress response in the cold, uh, learn how to get control of your breath and then slow it down. Uh, and then you can take that into other stressful situations outside of your life. Yeah, absolutely. And that cold exposure is so big. Like it's becoming like it, you're seeing people talk about it a lot more. Yeah. Can you explain um, more fundamentally, like what that means to control, why that cold water helps, you know, strengthen your nervous system? Can you explain what that physio, that response is and why people do it? So there's a ton of physical benefits and you can pretty much, you know, see them touted everywhere uh, in this day and age. I mean, there's a lot of great resources for finding stuff like that. Andrew Hume puts out a lot of stuff, you know, from the, the brown fat and helping with fat loss, which is, I guess there's a big study that just came out recently that all you got to do is like one cold plunge a week, uh, along with uh, some, you know, 30 second cold showers can help with fat loss. Uh, and, you know, do you get the cold shock and heat shock proteins? You know, you're, so it's good for the cardiovascular system, your inflammation. Uh, but the mental aspect, when you jump into cold, everything in your body tells you, this is stupid. Why am I getting into cold? We've been told our whole lives that cold is bad, uh, for one, especially as Americans. Um, nobody around here is really into cold. We weren't like the Scandinavians and other cultures where they've been doing this stuff for centuries and centuries. But you get in there and you know, the way we like to do it is we go for a full dunk. Uh, everybody doesn't have to, but I'm like, oh, let's get dunk the head. You do that and everything in your body says, get me out of here right now. It is a total panic and hits on that sympathetic side of the nervous system. It is a kind of a shock and it's something that you can willfully do for yourself. It's a controlled environment. And when you learn how to control your breath and slow it down, we focus on taking a couple big, strong, powerful breaths in through the nose, out of the nose, and really focus on slowing it down in for, you know, slowly in the nose. And I just tell people, slower out of the mouth. Don't worry about anything else. You can use like a hissing exhale, nice slow pursed lips exhale. You do three or four breaths like that, your nervous system starts calming down and be like, all right, everything is okay. Uh, and I also tell people, don't jump out right at that first response. Give me three more breaths. If you give me three more breaths and that rational brain starts focusing a little better and you still want to get out, we'll get you out. But it's breaking that first emotional reaction response and letting everything calm down. Once you start calming down, your nervous system's like, all right, I'm safe. Because that's really what our nervous system is. It's a threat detection device. It's looking out for threats. And that ice water is a threat and it threatens everything in our body. It thinks we're going to die. thinks it's going to kill us. But when that doesn't happen, then you start getting those the physiological, those hormonal responses that are going to be great for your longevity, great for your overall health. Uh, and what you find is after you get through about the thir first 30, 45 seconds, you know, it gets relatively easy. Uh, not necessarily super easy, but you start to calm down and everything realizes it's okay. And then you can just focus on breathing through it. We stay in anywhere from three to five minutes. Um, and then we also like to incorporate the saunas and, and roll through a couple rounds of it. But even if not doing that, I have one of those cold plunges now. And I try to get in there every day. Um, 
really I went through a period where I got in every day. Then I took some time off. I'm back to getting in every day. And but I'm also not getting in there. And I've done thousands of freaking cold exposures at this point. Yeah. I'm not making telling myself I have to stay in there a certain amount of time. I'm just getting in there for one to do something uncomfortable that I still don't want to do. Um, get home in the morning from a workout. You know, it's a little dark, maybe a little cold. I don't want to get in there. But when you do that and you push through that first kind of first thing in the day that's hard and you don't want to do, it makes other things a little easier. So I might get in there and stay in for three breaths and get out. Um, uh, and then a couple of days a week, I'll make sure I do at least three to five minutes per round and do kind of the whole thing. But when I'm getting in there every day, it might just be uh, three breaths because my nervous system is not always tuned to stay in there the whole time. So yeah. Isn't that an interesting thing to notice? Because yeah. I've done the same thing just with even just with cold showers. And it's like some days, you know, when you're like, oh, well, I, I came in a little, I wasn't as ramped up getting in. I can stay in there. And then other days you're really having to breathe through it and talk yourself out of it. And some days you just step out and go, okay, that's enough for today. Yeah. <laughs> and then I think to myself though, okay, what's going on that has got me, obviously I'm running a little higher today. And even just that awareness to be able to connect to yourself and connect to other people around you. It's a, you know, to me, it does such a service to our productivity and our relationships because we are understanding ourselves on a deeper level. Yeah. And you're understanding, all right, something else might be going on. Maybe it was just, I hadn't been sleeping well for a few days. Uh, maybe I've, you know, had something work-related or with my family that I've been dealing with. And, you know, one of the things I think a lot of that is you, you kind of get after you push yourself through doing it for a certain amount of time, like if you've never done it, just making sure you do the cold showers every day and trying to, I tell people the same thing, stay in there for three breaths and try to gradually expand it. Once you learn a little bit more about yourself, um, you earn the right to be kind and all right, you don't always, it's not always about pushing and pushing and pushing until you break. Um, that leads to a lot more problems. There are times, yeah, where you got to keep pushing, but a lot of times you just got to let go. Um, and that's where I think the ice, the breath, uh, the pool type training, that kind of stuff, uh, really helps with that as well. Is is we just have to let go and not always push as hard as we think we need to push. That's not where we can be the most productive or the most effective in a lot of situations. Yeah. Oh my goodness, that's so true. And like you said, you work with a lot of Type A's and high performing people. And I I I come across this topic a lot. Um, with people, just the concept of surrender versus that fight or that push mm -hmm. that, um, you know, and a lot of people struggle and I understand, but like, can you speak to the idea of like surrender, not as giving up, but as, you know, what, what does real surrender mean to that situation? I, it's, I don't see it as giving up and that's, I mean, in reality, it's something that, you know, I still struggle with too. It's yeah. uh, there are times where I think, okay, I got to keep pushing and pushing. It's more of, all right, you've done the work, you're putting it all out there, but you don't really have control over the outcome. You you have to surrender to something higher or something else out there to whatever the world brings. Because um, as as long as you're putting in work, you're doing you know going through the processes of whatever it is you're working on. Um, and you know when you're not giving your best. Um, 
but you have to just let go. It's kind of be in the process focused or outcome focused. Um, and if you're constantly focused on what the outcomes are, you're never going to be able to surrender and you're always going to be kicking yourself. You're never going to be able to take the failures and learn from them and grow um, from that stuff um, because, you know, that's what it's really life is about is trying things, testing them out, working. All right, that didn't work. Can I be humble enough to learn from it and strong enough to keep going forward in the face of the challenges, but not necessarily grinding my head until everything just falls apart. And maybe I don't even deal with the relationships in my family or my, you know, whatever. It's it's all just singular focus on one aspect. And uh, yeah, for a little while, but what yeah. do you really, what do you value too? Yeah. I've noticed with um breath work, um, you know, it it, it can, it's there's such a sense of connection to ourselves that comes with you know, really diving into this practice. And um, I've heard it said that um, addiction is the opposite of connection. And there was something that you just said about, you know, pushing, 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 and like the tendency that we have when we get to that point to sweep things under the rug. And, you know, do you see any correlation between um, the, the choices we make um, and the addiction process versus taking a choice, making a choice to go down a more holistic um, path, like with breath work and mindfulness and yoga and those types of things. I hope you're enjoying this conversation on what I meant to say, produced by my company, Be Better Media. To see the world of why we are striving to share inspired edutainment, I invite you to please check out our website, bebettermedia.tv. Here you will find all kinds of great stuff from upcoming new productions to lifestyle products and services I personally use and endorse, to links to great books and other podcasts I love and recommend. Please check us out at BeBetterMedia.tv. That's BeBetterMedia.tv. So you look at, um, you know, I was having a conversation like our habits. A lot of the bad habits we have, and I guess I wouldn't necessarily say they're bad, but um, it's all about like changing our state. It is all right. I'm maybe I'm anxious and I feel like I'm stressed out. So I'm going to the snack drawer and eating or drinking or whatever. And it is uh, wanting to change our state with some external sources. Yeah. We really have the ability to change our state with internal sources as well. Um, and, but it's all right, knowing, well, why am I constantly kind of going back to the same well? Um, is, is it really serving me? Is it helping me? Is it pushing me forward? Or is it making things even harder for me? Um, and I think, you know, that is a lot of it. And then I think it's also people, um, it's kind of like that fine thing I talked about earlier. Um, we think everything's okay. Like, you know, it's kind of like, are you operating optimally to the best of your performance? Or are you really operating at 60%? You just think it's optimal because you've been at 60% for so long uh, that you have no idea and you can't differentiate. And I think working on yourself a little bit, uh, doing that internal work can help you figure that stuff out. Yeah. You know, as a coach, what's coming through to me is like, how do you help people come 
to that conclusion about, you know, looking inward and, and diving into these practices, how do you help them frame it with a sense of curiosity instead of shame? You know, like I haven't done this or I'm, oh, you know, I got myself into this position and I'm mm -hmm. feeling so bad. Um, how do you help them come across, you know, feel that curiosity to learn more about themselves? Uh, well, one of the things is we try to get them not to do the whole shooting um, aspect. Yeah. So we go through a kind of a should detox, like rewriting things um, in a more empowering way, looking at the words that people say. Uh, I'll, you know, we also, we have a journal that we give all of our clients. So we have them begin to start to write stuff down. I find that when you can get it out of your head and especially if you're telling yourself a story that just keeps circling in your head over and over again, you're part of that story. Once you get it out on paper, you can become more of an observer and a witness to it. Um, and I also find doing work of once you're okay, like spending that five, 10 minutes breathing in the morning, doing exercises like that, it gives you a little bit more space to where you can kind of see, um, you know, all right, maybe this isn't what I exactly thought it was. Um, it just helps to be a little bit more of an observer and gives, gives you a little bit more control of your day. Um, you know, it's kind of one of the things I love about like, like yoga. Um, it's very breath movement focused. You can get into your body. And I think that can help you know, people let go of a lot of just overall stress, tension, uh, and things like that too. Yeah. I'm a big believer in that. Most of my days start with yoga. So, um, I, I think, you know, breath work was actually harder for me as an athlete, like just learning the breath to movement taught mm -hmm. me a lot. And then I was able to sink deeper into the breath work after I realized how to move through the breath. I don't know if I, that makes sense to you. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, yeah. And a lot of people think, all right, I can't lay there for 20 minutes and do breath work or, uh, but you can incorporate your breath through a host of movements, um, through yoga, through making your breath more intentional, even if you're going to the gym. Uh, you know, I put up a thing this morning on Instagram of a workout I did today. We're using breath holds uh, and training where, you know, boosting athletic performance, but that also gives you a very much intense um, understanding of your stress response when you start incorporating breath holds and some like holds on the exhale after you've been biking or you're carrying sandbags or kettlebells or something uh and those triggers flash up in your brain instantly because our body's number one goal is respiration we don't breathe we die and so you talk about a top level stress response and when you start kind of playing with those things whether you're moving and then kind of learn doing them static as well you can really kind of uncover not also just like what's going on in your body but then those negative patterns and thoughts that start kicking up in your head which comes back to the same oh. thing of all right, you know, you know, I can't do this. I'm an idiot. And I like to work a lot with like mantras, um, yes. whatever, you know, everybody I think kind of has their own individual ones, but coming back to something like that, repeating it to yourself and noticing, all right, I can go a little longer than I expected to. I have a little bit more than I can. Uh, and I think you know, breath holding stuff and movement are, are key to that. I do a lot of, a lot of breath hold work with uh, clients as well. That's, that's really cool. That's something I've noticed in, um, in my yoga practice is just, you know, that, that ability to clear your mind. And I had never had that before I started breath work in yoga. And 
but it occasionally like even now in a in a practice you could be doing something more difficult and if it if a stress if something sinks into my mind that's stressful you fall out of the pose oh yeah you know and it's like it's such an interesting thing to see how your individual thoughts affect your whole body and the way that you can take in but to see it in such clear form on such a small you know just sitting on your mat it really does help you extrapolate as to how your thoughts affect your day and your life. Oh yeah, especially in that real time aspect like that. It's um, it comes on quick. You know, yeah, you, it really. Once you take some time to notice it, uh, it helps a lot because it it bleeds over into everything. Just like you're saying, like, all right, what happens at work when your boss says something or something doesn't go as planned? Do those same types of thoughts creep in? Uh, probably in a similar fashion. Um, and it's yeah. a snowballing aspect. And um, what well, can you use the breath to get control of those and slow it down? And in a brain, brain, when we go over a concept uh, by Dr. Dan Siegel called the brain in the palm of your hand and flipping your lid. So basically looking at your hand as your, you know, your wrist palm is your brainstem, all the automatic functions. Yep. And then your thumb is that emotional reaction, the limbic system, which I say it's like constantly seeking pleasure and avoiding pain. And it's basically unconscious processes that we've built up over our whole life. And most of them, they're unconscious. So we don't even know. They at some point probably kept us safe as children and now as adults that are doing us more harm than good. Uh, and then looking at that prefrontal cortex as your fingers that rational thinking brain. And what's fascinating is your breath shows up in the automatic side and it shows up in the prefrontal cortex. You can stick somebody in a brain MRI, do conscious breathing. It's going to show up in your prefrontal cortex. Just let them sit there breathing. It's going to be in the, you know, that brainstem area. And when you get stressed out and you flip your lid, the fingers go up and it's those emotional reactions. It's all that running the show and not the rational part of your brain. So learning how to get control of that um, is key. And I think that's where things like the breath, ice, putting yourself in difficult situations, stressful situations, you know, things that are just a little bit outside of your comfort zone. Yeah. Uh, I was in um, California. I was there working with a group called Art of Coaching, this thing called Apprenticeship. And one of the things they do is you go through role playing and do improv and stuff like that. That's way outside of my comfort zone. Um, much more scary for me than doing a difficult physical task or you know, trying to run 100 miles or do an ice bath or anything like that. Um, and I learned a whole lot about, uh, you know, kind of how I can get into some negative feedback loops or, you know, where I can kind of shut down in certain situations. And then that takes translation over having better communication skills, um, you know, with my partner and with you know clients and things like that as well and part of that also is all right can you keep control of your breath can you stay under control stay calm in those situations even when you are getting a little frantic inside maybe yeah oh absolutely i think there's a couple the couple things come through for me on that it's like oftentimes we're telling we're already telling ourselves a story in our head when we get to that point of like, oh, say I'm on stage or I've got to make a presentation or I'm nervous. So what's that story that I'm attaching to this nervous feeling? Yeah. Right? 
And how can you re-identify or recalibrate to be like, oh, that nervous feeling, maybe that could actually serve me rather than make me feel fearful. And I think, you know, that we can dial back to our physiology and the breath work um, to help us reframe when we're in a situation where like, maybe we didn't like that feeling, but like, have you ever seen that in a client or in yourself where you you've been able to reframe a situation so that you can have it work to your advantage? Yeah. Oh, definitely. And understanding that, you know, some of that little anxiety that you feel, that's not necessarily bad. That shows you that whatever you're doing matters to some extent to you. Um, And so you can let it get out of control and where it's going to affect your performance, or you can take it be like, you can then just notice it and then be all right, let's do a few practices that are going to help me stay calm um, and stay under control and use that as a way to kind of guide you into times where you need to do that stuff before it gets out of control. Um, And that just takes practice more than anything. And it also takes kind of putting yourself out there and gradually expanding um, comfort zone and pushing areas. And then also practicing those skills when you're not in the fire. Uh, Because if you can't do it, when everything's easy, then when chaos hits, uh, you're not going to have muscle memory to come back and do those things. So it's just like any sport or skill. It's about getting reps. Um, and the more reps you do, the better it's going to be. Uh, the easier it is going to be. Uh, you know, like when I first start working with people, you know, maybe I've worked with them for a few weeks and they'll start noticing some things, but it's like, all right, I can't, you know, I still can get frustrated. I'm like, well, you've been having these same patterns for decades at this point it ain't gonna change in a month like yeah you've got you've got work to do um and but the fact that you even are noticing and aware of this right now that's a huge game so you know showing them little wins along the way and celebrating those wins um so many people who are kind of type a they don't celebrate any other wins um you know it's all on to the next thing on to the next rung in the ladder well maybe at night sit down and celebrate a couple of wins that you had that day uh, before you go to bed. Uh, Maybe you won't be thinking about all the anxious thoughts and the stressful things that you've got to do the next day. That's so true. That's something I've definitely struggled with myself. And I was, you know, on a walk yesterday with my roommate and we were talking and I said, you know, how, when you get into that anxious spot where you're like, okay, what's going to happen next with, you know, this is coming down the pipeline. I wonder how that's going to work out. I've learned now just recently to just take, you know, flip back and say like, wow, a year ago, did you think, could you have seen so many of the things that have come through? Like oftentimes we can't, you know, we never really can see what's coming, but we have that expectation. And so to just turn around and go, well, look, look how far I've come in the last year, in the last six months, in the last week, whatever that is. That's a little thing that I've been practicing as far as that. I love that because, you know, like you're right. We don't, we see all the kind of bad negative things that might happen. Um, It happened, but they're put in front of us also for a reason to challenge us, to help us grow, to lead us along our path. And I'm of the firm believer that most things that are put in front of us, we can come back from whether or not we fail at them or not. Um, and just having the strength to kind of keep going and maybe it's trying something new, but you know, 
most of the things you can get through. I mean, you can read yeah. some pretty horrific things that have happened to people and they made some pretty, you know, amazing contributions to the world after those things happened to them. Um, so if they can do that, why can't you do it with something that could be as small as, you know, while losing your job or something like that might feel super tragic and the end of the world in the moment. And it might be for a little while um, and not to downplay any of that, but there's things that you can do, like, you know, that you can get out of that. Um, and there's a lot of help in the world and people are willing to help if you ask to. Isn't that the truth? That is, and and I'm continually amazed by the stories that come through. That's what I've loved about this podcast space. And even before I started my own, just listening on other fronts, because um, I think there's there's so much wisdom out there in the podcast world and and in the world in general. And people connecting with each other in that space of of like abundance and being able to learn from each other rather than compete all the time. I think yeah. it's such an amazing thing and I don't know if you can speak to that like as an entrepreneur that you know that feeling like okay I want to go out and do my best and I need to offer my best product but there's so much to gain from this collaboration of wisdom and I'm wondering have you have you felt that effect at all as an entrepreneur oh I yeah completely agree and I mean I'm I can be super competitive um, yeah. uh, but I've also learned that collaboration is goes a lot longer uh you know this pie is gigantic um and if we can grow the pie together uh you know that's a big thing you know kind of when i when i first i started doing the stuff around memphis in 2018 um breath heat nice things like that there wasn't anybody doing any of that here now there's starting to be more people and along with it kind of everywhere well, yeah, sometimes I can get, well, man, that kind of, uh, they're going to take business away from me, yada, yada, whatever. But that's in reality, it's just putting more eyeballs on it. And, and you know, the people who are going to, not everybody, my teaching style, my coaching style is not going to work for everybody. Um, it's going to connect with certain people and somebody else's coaching style isn't going to work for everybody. They're going to connect with another group of people and reality, everybody needs these type of teachings um and practices in their life and it's having the right person in front of them and you know i've let, met a lot of great coaches along the way and we try to help each other out um by doing events collaborating together by you know even if it's something like in, just instagram lives um where sharing each other's stories or practices or what they're doing i mean i have you know clients that i've worked with that um, I'm trying to now help them. They're just trying to help me get other clients. So I think uh, the whole collaboration aspect is is huge. And there's so much opportunity in, I mean, almost every area. Yeah. Um, so the pies, if we can just all grow the pie together instead of trying to take pieces of the pie from each other, I think goes a long way too. And when you look at the world, especially kind of in the health and wellness world, if you get on social media, there's a lot of people yelling at each other. Um, and, you know, that can be a little frustrating, but um, that's also just kind of the way the world seems to be in general. Everybody's yelling at each other. I was going to say, I think it's not even just the health and wellness it, world. It's that's a tribe. It's, it, you, it's you trying. It's a tribe and you've got to make your tribe be the correct tribe. Well, 
we can learn a lot from all of each other in my opinion yeah i would agree in our sameness and our difference that's right, right. and that differences are what make the world go around um we're all yeah. the same that wouldn't be a lot of fun no absolutely not and yet we're all still grounded in that same like human nature of just wanting to you know belong and be understood and connect through our stories and our stories are all different and they're not meant to be compared but gosh they can be so inspiring and you know you never know when your story is going to impact someone and so i that's why i you know i love this space because i i love being able to connect with other people's stories and then you know share them not in the sense of like everybody's got the best advice to give but you just never know when that one little nugget is really going to you know, unearth something for somebody yeah. else. I love that. That's, that's very true. Um, because way somebody teaches something and says something, it also maybe you, you heard it one time a year ago and it just went right over your head, but then you hear the same thing, uh, you know, now, and it might completely connect and change the way you do something and help you improve your life in some way. So I think it's, uh, and, incredible on all of the all the different stories out there we all have something to give uh yeah. to this world. we all have a purpose that we're here um and so you know sharing our stories is is part of that uh i feel like as well yeah i agree and i think it, it it makes for better relationships and that's always something that i'm after um just the way that people connect with each other and learn how to be good to each other and i'm wondering like you know through this this journey of yours through breath work through symmetry you know how have your relationships have you seen your relationships change with people over the years uh, i would say that um i keep a pretty i try to keep a good network wide network um but my you know close friends and family have probably gotten closer um and i try to keep those people were pretty close to me, um, more than anything. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, and I found that with other people, I'm much more can be open to different people in different ways. Uh, that's helped a lot. I was, you know, being able to listen to other viewpoints, um, was not something that I was always keen on 15, 20 years ago. Wow. Well, and isn't that something that the world could use so much now? I feel like maybe you're saying you've improved, but I feel like over my lifetime, over your lifetime, like the world in general maybe has, or America in general has gotten less open to hearing other viewpoints. There's probably some truth. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's that's how I feel, even though I believe, I love a good, a good debate, a good conversation where not everybody's coming from the same place. Like you said, and it's boring when everyone thinks the same thing, but like you have to be calm enough to realize that somebody else's opinion doesn't threaten you. That that's right, yeah. their perspective coming from where they've come from, how they were raised, what their experience has been. But it does take kind of a grounded nervous system to be able to take that in. It, it does. And not wanting to always fight or combat, uh, you know, of saying I like is strong opinions weekly held. So we can all have strong opinions, but be it okay to change your mind. Um, yeah. You know, anything people should have learned over the last five years is that. Uh, yeah. it's, it's, and in reality, you should change your mind. If I'm still thinking the same thing in 10 years that I think now, um, 
I probably haven't grown enough or had as many experiences. I'm yeah. sure even, and what we'll learn about breathing and, you know, all that and those areas, there are going to be so much more scientific studies done on stuff. There's going to be, uh, you know, we're going to learn a whole lot more on the different mechanisms and different protocols and things like that. So I'm sure I'll learn a lot uh, in those areas as well. And it's just kind of being open to not just staying stuck with what you're doing in the moment that, hey, think yeah. the world changes, it's constantly evolving. And, you know, you can keep a base yeah. and foundation, but you got to be able to kind of move with it as well. Yeah, I always say lifelong lifelong learning is the key to longevity. You know, it keeps life interesting. It keeps us moving forward. And man, there's so much good stuff out there to learn that I, I you know, and I see you doing that on all the things you post and seeing where you've come, like, you know, over the last six years, it's, it's really, it's really cool to see. So um, one of the reasons I started this podcast is because I feel like the benefit of hindsight is such an amazing thing. And um so one of the questions I always ask my guests is, uh, what's a piece of advice that you would give to your younger self? Uh, don't be afraid to fail. And it tries many things as possible. Uh, you know, it's like, I look around, if I was, had it to do over again, 20 years old, don't take that first job. Don't think about having a career when you're 20, 21, 22, go out and have as many experiences as you possibly can. Uh, learn what you don't like, because that's more important than trying to figure out what you like. And especially, I would think it's probably even harder now or that kids have stuff that they think they've got it figured out when they're in, you know, 14, 15 years old, that they've got to have it all figured out. No, um, it's best to try as many things as possible, fail. And then when you're in your thirties and forties, you're not having to do the same thing. <laughs> so, yeah. Yep. yeah. I know my, my daughter and I have that conversation a lot recently. She's going to graduate in, in May. And I tell her the same, I'm like, you don't have to have it figured out. And uh, she's like, but you know, we talk about but front loading, but what, but more front loading with habits. And yeah. instead of like, you know, this, like a certain job, or I have to do this, but it's like, what are those just those little daily habits? Cause you can take those little daily habits out and go travel the world to, you know, go ski for a winter, go, you know, put on a backpack and do whatever, but it's those little daily habits that, that are, we ingrain in ourselves that they can spill out into any career and yeah. time to find it. I love that. Yeah. Daily habits right when you're young is uh, important. Definitely, yeah, definitely wasn't thinking about that 20, uh, 25 years ago. Right. I know that hindsight, man, it'll, it's, it's, it's a beautiful thing, but uh, especially when we share it with other people. So, um, well, I want people to know, um, how to be able to connect with you and, um, you know, come work with you and get some of the amazing benefits that you offer your clients. So what's the best way for people to connect with you? You can find me at uh, www.symmetry.live, also on Instagram at symmetry.live. Do coaching virtually, in person. We also do workshops um, virtually right now. i got a four-part breath course workshop going on um, and do we'll have another one of those coming up this year and do a lot of things uh, virtually in person, travel around and do some stuff as well. Have virtual classes a few days a week and a lot of free resources on the website as well. 
That is awesome. I encourage people to go out and take advantage of it because breath work is a game changer. Um, people just tune into Taylor, even his, his Instagram posts are beneficial just to get started. So um, Taylor, I thank you so much for joining us today. You're an amazing example of something I just love to remind people to do, which is just be real, be you and be better. And just um, thank you so much for everything you're doing to make the world a better place. Thank you for having me, Wendy. Yeah, absolutely. We'll keep in touch and talk soon. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to What I Meant to Say. If you enjoyed this conversation, you know what to do. Subscribe, rate, review. And for more great content, courses, and lifestyle, go to BeBetterMedia.tv. Some of these stories contain sensitive content about real-life events, and all of the information in this podcast and from anywhere on the Be Better Media website is for informational purposes only. If you find that you need help, which we all do from time to time, please reach out to a licensed professional for help.